Um, I want to talk about how, how, to, how to take communion. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how to share the Lord's Supper. And so uh, every, time, every time we um, share the Lord's Supper, I read something like this. For what I received from the Lord, this is 1 Corinthians 11. For what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So usually I will share some smattering of those particular verses right there as we, and we, we will in a few minutes. The verse right after that, I don't read often um, because it, to me it requires so much explanation, but I'll read it tonight and do a bit. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. We should examine ourselves. So um, I have explained that in the past, and I will uh, do, do my best again tonight. But one of the reasons that I don't is I think um, people live so guilt-ridden over church as it is. If I just say the word guilt and what was the other one? Um, examine yourself. Unworthy. That's the one. Unworthy. That there's a lot of people that feel incredibly unworthy as it is. And so I want to put it in context, if I can, for us tonight. Um, I've had many people tell me oh, I don't feel that I'm worthy therefore I can't or I won't people tell me that they, they get up and leave or you know, they, they know that they have too much sin in their life so let me just talk about this for a minute if, if that's the way that you're looking at it, I have news for all of you None of us are worthy. There's no one here that's got a low enough percentage of sin in your life uh, to make you, da-da, we'll put the spotlight on you, there you go. This is a completely misunderstanding of what that means. So worthiness is not because you, you didn't lose your temper this week or you, um, you know, kept some um, measure of sinlessness in your life. That's not what worthiness is talking about here, if I can say that. Um, and I'll, I'll explain what it means in a minute. But 
I want to back up and read the verses that I don't usually read before these, if I can. Paul writes, um, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. Uh-oh. You know, when you get that in a letter, that's usually not good. Mom sends something to you while you're at college. In the following areas, I have nothing good to say. Um, Paul writes, I have no praise for you, for your, for your meetings do more harm than good. That's a problem. That's a problem. If when you get together in the name of the Lord, it does more harm than good, that's a problem. That's saying you, it's better to not get together than to get together because it's doing more damage than benefiting. What was he talking about? In the first place, Paul writes, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. He said, you call it this, but it's not the Lord's Supper. So Jesus had a supper with his disciples, and they broke bread, and it was right before um, he was betrayed and tried and crucified, and you've, you've seen this before. And then after Jesus died, um, this became a part of the church. They called it the Lord's Supper. Paul says it's not the Lord's Supper that you're eating. For each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. Well, this is strange for us. I mean, modern day things, what do you mean? Like, we all wait. So what does this mean? Just in, in, in these days, the church would gather in homes, first of all. In homes. Which I think was cool. Would anyone open up their home next Sunday? Wouldn't it be fun, though? A couple of things I learned about, and we've done meetings in homes, we do small groups in homes, and uh, over the years, a lot of different meetings in our house and gatherings, and a couple of things change when you meet in people's houses. First of all, people are much more authentic. I mean, you guys do pretty good. Orchard Grove is a pretty authentic group of people. I will give you that. I love you for that. Um, but there, there's a different level. When you get in somebody's house, they just take it down a notch. You get into church and everybody takes it up a notch. Even the most casual of you. It's just human nature. I just got to, you know, put on that I'm good, that I'm righteous. You're in the parking lot screaming at the kids and then you walk in the front door and how are you? you know. It's just kind of human nature. Something about the early church meeting in these homes I think the fellowship was more real because it was more raw. Does that make sense? It's just something about human nature when you come to a place like this, and we keep it pretty real here because this is basically just a really tired box. Um, not too much fancy here, but human nature is when you're closer to home, you're more yourself. I think that's a good thing. I, I really hope that this, this family here, this feels as, as an extension of your home. That it's our home. 
but that's what they would do. And then they would eat a meal together. And it was the Lord's Supper. And so they weren't just eating one piece of bread, but they were eating bread. But they, had, they did it in remembrance of the Lord, and they broke the bread, and they drank the cup. But it wasn't just one wafer, one sip. Does that make sense? So, just so you know. So people weren't waiting for each other. No, just common decency. But beyond that, we learn from other passages that some would be getting there early because they had the, the financial means to get there early and they could take off work whenever they wanted to and other people could not or perhaps they were even slaves and they had no option so they could get there whenever they could get there and other people just went ahead. And do you see how that could create divisions? You, is anybody looking? Look up here for a minute so I know you're at least. Um, it could cause divisions because it's like, oh, well, all the, all the haves are already eating and well-fed and then... Oh, I, there's something left somewhere for you guys, you common folk. Paul didn't like this. It really agitated him. So much so that he wrote a lot in his letter, 1 Corinthians, about it. Paul goes, one remains hungry while another one gets drunk. Don't you have homes that you can eat in? Do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Do you see what it would do? Do you see what it would do if you had the kind of job where you couldn't get there on time? Can I just tell you, I love that about our church. I, one of the things I love about our church, and I, and I could be wrong, and, but man, I, I, I'm proud of you for this. The way you, you just love everybody. I can just say, Way to go. If I were ever asked to write an epistle like this, um, I, I could just brag on you, unless I don't know something. I could just say, way to go. I, I, I've, honestly, I've just watched the way you put your arms around anybody. It doesn't matter. And I think that's so important. Because the way they celebrated was so important to Paul. And then he says... You've humiliated some people. In other words, what could be worse than when you reflect on what Jesus did and the whole point of it, the whole point of it was that it had some transforming effect on us. And while celebrating that death, we humiliated somebody in the process. Paul said, we can't do that. So I'll just tell you three things to do as you celebrate the Lord's Supper. The first one is this. Every time we do this, tonight and every time, I just tell you, just receive God's love. That's the first thing. Just receive God's love. Because this isn't about worthiness. What Paul was talking about is, and you do it in an unworthy way, is when you humiliate somebody else. This isn't a barometer on your sin. Anybody glad they don't have like a little sin scanner when you walk in? A little wand? You know what I mean? Wouldn't that be troubling? And when you did, it was like flashed on the screen up here. Just, oh, look at this cat. It's been a rough week. Wee, 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 wee. Anybody? Anybody got like metal in your leg? You know what I mean? You have to, every time you go through, they're like... And we got reoccurring sin problems. Oh, just me tonight. That's fine. That's fine. 
And then he's like, it's right in this zone for him, right? Wee, wee, wee. So this isn't about finding your sin. This is about the family. So first thing that we do, we're just here to receive God's love because we all need it. We all need God's love and we all need God's grace. And what this will do is it'll make you a grateful person. Sharing the Lord's Supper, remembering Christ's death for us should make us grateful people. Do you know what you need, what we need more than anything? Gratitude. Gratitude will change you forever. Some people live their lives grateful and some people do not. And I think the truth is told if we look at ourselves, there are times we struggle with gratitude. And if you're struggling now with being grateful, you're just realizing, I, I just not walking around grateful. I'm walking around grumpy. I'm, I'm walking around angry. I'm walking around wishing I had other things. I'm, I'm just not walking around grateful. Then I would say, go back and receive again. Ask yourself, why aren't I deeply grateful? If you aren't, just ask yourself, why? Why am I not grateful? What's driving that? I think if you went back to receiving and just said, God, I need to receive, how, how could you truly just embrace the cross in everything that we read about. Um, while, while Ken and Kelly were reading the scripture, I was thinking about Alexander and Rufus. Did you pick up Alexander and Rufus in that? And Alexander and Rufus, do you know who they were in that story? They were, they were the sons, am I right, of Simon. So Jesus is stumbling, stumbling under the load of this cross after being lashed and lashed and blood pouring off and, and flesh torn off of his back. And, and he just falls to the ground and they grab some bystander, Simon, Cyrene. His kids make the text. Alexander and Rufus. What do you think bedtime hour was like at Simon's house that night. Boys, come here. Come here, boys. I want to talk to you about gratitude. It's probably an ever more powerful dad to son speech ever given. They say, I saw blood pouring out of his eyes. I saw him giving everything that he could. I can't put together in the story of Jesus that he just fell because he was tired. I can't get that out of the story. In the gospel accounts, they, they, try to, they try to hand him a drug, a sedative, to just take the pain away. He refuses to drink. This wasn't a hero looking for shortcuts. This was a man willing to die. I think they looked in the eyes. You know, there's something amazing when you look somebody in the eye, isn't it? Sometimes you can see something. Perhaps Simon of Cyrene looked in his eyes. It probably shook him forever. Huh? 
What do you think? What do you think? If you had that dust on your knees from that Roman road and you look Jesus in the eye, would you have something to tell your boys? Probably. It probably changed that man forever. And that probably changed his kids. Alexander and Rufus. Because when you receive love, when you receive it like that, it changes you. And you just you become a spontaneously grateful person. Now, it's one thing to try. It's good, it's good to try. It's good to wake up and remind yourself to be grateful and to say thank you at the cashier and to say thank you in in society, be a polite person. I'm trying relentlessly to get Charlie to say thank you. Make sure, make sure, make sure. Anybody with me? But it's a whole other thing. When you're spontaneous, it erupts. It's from here that you are grateful. Is anybody with me? Like I'm forcing it out of her mouth, but it's not spontaneous eruption. We're working on that one. But what if it is that you've somehow seen in the Savior's eyes when you take the Lord's Supper, receive his love. See in the depth of his sacrifice and become a grateful person. And the other thing that I would just say is this. Just reflect on your own life. Just reflect on your own life. Somehow in the teaching of the cross, there's some way we're supposed to pick out of this story is that we're not supposed to blame the Sanhedrin or blame the Jewish leader or blame Pontius Pilate for being weak. Somehow we're supposed to see our own part in the crucifixion of Christ. That's the key thing. And in a society that always wants to find somebody at fault and prove these are the people that are wrong, this is the guy that's guilty, this is the person that did it, this is completely missing what the cross does. What the cross does is it helps us see our part. Or as the scripture says, we all sin. And if receiving God's love would make us grateful, reflecting would make us humble. Humility. It would ground us. Somehow that would be a good thing for us. Wouldn't it? That if we took the Lord's Supper and we started to reflect on our own life, that somehow... The selfish ways of Chris contribute to that. Rather than finding fault with some other religious leader or pilot or no, 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 that's to miss the story. It's to look inward, to ground ourselves in humility. And then the last thing is this, and remember this God loved you anyway. God loves you anyway. This isn't to make you less. This isn't to make you lower. This is to elevate you, to to think about this. 
Though we sin, while we sin, Christ died for us. It speaks of our value. It speaks of your value. How much God loves you.